Gemara says, talking about the Aaron Akkadish. That the Aaron Akkadish we know was made up of three layers. There was a gold layer on the outside, there was a wooden layer in the middle, and there was a gold layer inside of that. The reason the middle had to be wood, the Torah is considered the Eitzchaim, so the, the receptacle which holds the Torah is made out of the eights out of the wood. The reason the outside was covered in gold is because since the Klei Mikdash, specifically the Aranakodesh, had to look impressive, royal, so therefore there was a layer of gold outside because gold has the look of importance, of chashivas, of opulence. But why did the middle inside box have to be gold? No one ever saw that. Why wouldn't it have been an app if you have the wood on the inside and the gold on the outside? So the Gemara addresses the point in Yuma on the fine base, and the Gemara says it teaches us that any Talmud Chacham she'ein teichoy kebaroi, any Talmud Chacham. Talmud Chacham who's asymmetrical, which means his internal reality and his external facade aren't in keeping with each other, is not a Talmud Chacham. What a Talmud Chacham really is inside is what he is on the outside. And if there would be a disparity between the two of them, and he doesn't deserve to be a Talmud Chacham. And therefore the Aaron HaKodesh also, the recipient of the Torah, has to have, it has gold on the outside, it has to be gold on the inside as well. Now this level of not being Toichi Kabari is basically what we're talking about. A person's reality is one thing, but the way he portrays himself or sees himself is something else. There's a dissonance. There's a, there's a detachment between where he's really holding and where he thinks he is. And what causes that is his demon. A person predicts himself, projects himself a certain way, and that's not necessarily what he really is. And that's the problem, that's the demon we're speaking about on this level. And therefore the question is, what's the way to combat that? Where's the way that MS can, so to speak, forestall this problem? So let's look at another Gemara, which famous Gemara, which also talks about the idea of Tehik and that's the Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara says when Gamil was the Nasi, he made a policy in the Best Medrash that only a Talmud who was Teichikabari was allowed entry. Only a Talmud whose internal self and his external self were aligned with each other was allowed into the Best Medrash. And it was a very limited Best Medrash, obviously. We see even in the times of the Tanayim, most people were not holding by this Madrega. And the Gemara says that the day that Rabbi Rosh ben Nazari became the Nasi, so the guards that were put up to prevent people coming to the Best Medrash were removed, and he made it hundreds of benches were added to the Best Medrash. There was a tremendous amount of increase in the amount of Talmud who attended. The Gemara is well known. But there's a point in the Gemara which has been worrying me for a long time. It's interesting, I haven't yet found the Mephorosh to ask the question, but I think it's a good question. And that is, it's clear from the Gemara that there were guards placed by the entrances to the Beth Medrash to prevent people coming if they didn't deserve to be allowed in. Only a Talmud who was Teichel Kabari was allowed entry into the Beth Medrash. And my question, tell me what you think. I think it's a question. My question is, how in the world was a guard meant to know that? How could the guard of the Beth Medrash know who was Teichel Kabari? What's the way for an outsider to see? If a person's holding by what he says he's holding, if a person's living up to where he thinks he projects himself to be, or not? How is that something we be shy to test? 
from the outside and therefore bar entry to a person who's not living by it? That's the question. And really, if I'm going to extend it. It's not just a question historically on the Gamliel's gods and what they were looking out for. It really, it's another question. And that is, if there's a way to be able to see if a person's holding by this level of Teche Kavaroi, then we don't have to worry about the gods of the best Medrash. We can really discuss it for ourselves. How do we know if we're holding on the level of Teche Kavaroi? If a person has the, a, a, an act of dimion, and therefore a person imagines himself to be at a certain place, at a certain Madrega, holding by a certain level, this is what, what's the way for him to test himself, if it's real or not real? What's his way to understand on his own if he's holding by this level of or not? So I'd like to suggest an approach which is seemingly straightforward, it's seemingly simple. But so I want to explain it first in a simple way, but I think there's a certain depth to it also. So let's start with a simple explanation. And let's start with the Gemara. The Gemara is a halachas not really Nagea to this, but it does teaches us a principle. It's the Gemara in Erchin. And the Gemara there is talking about the halach if a person is makdish his, his possession. A person declares that he wants to consecrate, consecrate something which belongs to the Besamekdash. And now what happens next? Because the Besamekdash has no use for somebody's second-hand furniture or used tzvarim, whatever else a person might want to give to the Besamekdash. And therefore, in place of the item, a person's going to have to redeem the item and give its money value to the base of English. Except, some things have a market price. It would be a brand new, still in the box, so to speak, item, then it has a value, it has a market value. But something which is not necessarily new, and the person dedicates it to Hashem, so now wait, what's the market value? What's this thing worth? So the Mishnah says in Erechin, that would we begin as we go to the person who dedicated it and we say, you set the price. What are you prepared to pay in order to redeem it? Emar Atta. You tell us. You tell us what you're prepared to do, how much you're prepared to pay for it, and that's, when, that's the rate we're going to advertise it for. In other words, if you set a price and no one outbids you, then you're going to be committed to pay that price to redeem your object back and give that money to the base of English. And if someone else sets a higher price, then they have the right to outbid you, and they'll be the ones to redeem it from Hakdash, and then they'll get the object. But, being as we don't have an easy value, or easy way of assessing the value of every item, so we give the person an opportunity to evaluate it himself. And then based on his evaluation is what we're going to advertise it for. Okay, so like I said, that's a halacha principle, but that's the yisoid I want to get, bring out of it. And that is that we see Baram and Gamliel. He didn't expect Talmudim to be on a specific level. He didn't say only Gedolim of a certain stature are in the best Medrash. Only people who know a certain amount, or people who have achieved a certain amount. What he said is somebody who's Tehikabari. And therefore the starting point of explaining this yisoid is if someone would apply to Ram Gamliel's yeshiva, so obviously it was the elite yeshiva, it was the yeshiva of the Nasi. And I would imagine that what he was asked is, what do you expect you're going to be capable of achieving in this yeshiva? Whether it's in terms of 
hasmada, whether it's in terms of amount of learning, whether it's in terms of dedication, whatever it's going to be, midas maybe, what do you expect to be able to do here? And obviously, if a person wants to be accepted to such an illustrious institution, he's going to try and put his best foot forward. He's going to try and offer the maximum he's capable of. That's the concept of emorato. You've said what you can do. And now we're going to hold you to what you said. Are you faithful in keeping up your own commitments? If a person says, this is what I'm capable of doing, and he does do that, then we see what he claims he's able to do and what he does do are aligned with each other. But if a person comes and says, of course, of course, and if you accept me to this yeshiva, I'm going to be the person there every morning. I'm going to be putting in 15 hours of learning a day, whatever else it is. And we see he's not living up to his own expectations. So that's not the And it's not the for one of two reasons. And there are two possible reasons why a person would commit himself to doing more than he's capable of doing. The first one is the dimion which makes him think he's more than he really is. He thinks he's holding by a much more advanced level than he really is. And therefore he, he, he thinks he's capable of doing things he's not. That's the one option. And the second option is, even if it's not a question of a dimion of where he's holding, but the dimion is how much he thinks he's capable of achieving. And that is, he think, he, with that, it's not a question of reality. It's a question of what he imagines he can do, which isn't something which is he's actually able to do. That's still the dimion. It's the same dimion working. That is, instead of being rooted in reality of what a person has achieved and what a person can achieve, instead of that, it's rooted in his fantasy. And therefore, the way to the way for a god to be able to see is somebody is is somebody living up to his own standards to what he was makabal on himself. And let's not talk about the gods. It's true for us as well. If a person has a certain expectation of himself, he thinks he's capable of something, he thinks he's holding by a certain level or point, so then the way to check it is, is he doing it or not? Now, let's give another example. Something which everyone's heard, this audience has heard before many times, and that is, you know, when someone asks for shidduch information, I always give that as my marshal. And they want to know, tell me something. Is some is a bachar yirei shemaim? Is he a masmid? Does he have good midas? These are all very broad terms. And there's no answer to the question because there's a range. You'll always find somebody who has more yirei shemaim and somebody who has less yirei shemaim. You'll always find somebody who has more of a masmid and less of a masmid. So who are you answering the question for? You can't answer something which is just a question of where on the scale are they holding. And therefore the only way to answer the question is to make it more practical. In other words, what do you want to know that you call Yerushimayim? And if that's going to be the litmus test of what you call Yerushimayim, then, then you can answer the question because then there's something quantifiable. So if you call getting up a chakra some time every day Yerushimayim, then you can answer the question. Like he does get up or he doesn't get up. Do you call learning Musa every day Yerushimayim? Then we can answer the question. Does he learn Musa or doesn't he learn Musa? Do you call learning Halacha every day Yerushimayim? Then we can answer the question. Once you make it something quantifiable as opposed to something esoteric, 
something abstract, then it's much easier to work with. And Toichek when a person is really holding back, works the same way. A person likes to think of himself in glowing terms, because it's abstract. I'm a Talmud Chachem, I'm a Balmidus, I'm a Yerei Shemaim, I'm also an Onab, obviously, and any other good term. And a person believes that about himself, because it's easy to believe something which doesn't, is not going to hold me down to the facts. And therefore, if a person wants to know is it true, then the easy way to do that is set yourself the standard. Set yourself the standard. You're a Yerushalayim. So what are you? Or what level Yerushalayim? What are you calling you that the Yerushalayim at that level has to do? And if I set myself a standard, this is what I think. My this is where I feel I'm holding. So then, there's an easy way to check up on it. You've set the standard. You can check yourself. Am I keeping to that standard? That's the first point. That's the first idea. And that is to check Teichek Kavari. Is to check, does a person live up to the expectations that he's made for himself? Now, there's an Akuda over here also. It's a deep in Akuda. And that is that the level that a person is holding by is a level that he's always holding by. The fact that a person sometimes, when he's inspired, and a person feels now very invigorated to do something, and now he decides he's going to do it, doesn't make that his level. That's somewhere he's holding just now. He's not going to maintain that. And this is the second danger. That a person once felt a certain level. He once got elevated to a higher point, and now he feels that's where I am. He was there momentarily. He was there momentarily. He's not there anymore. A person finishes in the Yom Kippur and the Eda on a high, he's not going to imagine for a moment the whole year I'm holding by the Eda. Yes, he was higher then, but it's not a maintainable level. And that's the second Nakuda. A person can't judge his level by where he's holding on the highest, on the crest of his Aliyah, so to speak, because it's not maintainable. And if a person thinks he's always there, Again, he's deluding himself. as a dimia. And here again, the way to know if it's real, what a person's holding about himself, is exactly the same principle. I've told you a story, I've said it over before. I remember about, I mean, must have been nearly 20 years ago, about that. There was a time there in Israel where a number of young people died in a short space of time. And it was very tragic. Each one left behind children or families. And I remember I was in the Mirishiva then, and they called a, a meeting, a Nasifa of Chizuk. And the speaker, one of the speakers who spoke, he mentioned the Gemara. And the Gemara says, in the time of David Melech, there was a Magaifa, there was a plague, and a hundred people were dying every day. So David decided that the way to deal with it is to Mechazek, in everyone saying Maya Brachas, the hundred Brachas which are meant to be said every day. And if everyone says Maya Brachas today, that will generate the schusim to stop the plague. And therefore the speaker said, he got up and he said, that what we should do is we should take on ourselves to make on ourselves to sign, we're going to be makhbi to say 100 brachas a day, and that will give us the schus to stop, the, so to speak, the magaifa. And then he passed around the paper, everyone should sign their names, that they're going to accept on themselves maya brachas a day. So I remember sitting in this shia, this, this asifa, whatever you want to call it, this gathering, Next to Mechavrusa at the time, and he was all inspired by this. And when the paper was passed, I'm sure he signed his name right away. 
And he gave me the paper and said, yeah, Newton. So I said, no, thanks. I gave it to somebody else. He said, I understand it. it what, what the point wasn't a good point. It's halakha anyway. We meant to take it you know, say 100 brachas a day. So why don't you understand? So I told him, signing is a commitment. Let me think of it. If it's something I think I'm able to do. And uh, I thought about it for a few days. And I went up to the place where the office where it was and I signed the paper. Something possible to do. You have to think. You know, in Shabbos you're missing about 19 brachos. The other days you're missing more than that. Whatever it is. You have a plan how you're going to make it up. Anyway, the topic came up about a month later. I was talking to the same chavrisa about it. And I asked him just casually, how's the Meir Brachos going? So he said, what? I said, remember Meir Brachos? Remember you committed yourself for 100 Brachos? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I remember. So you're doing it? And I could see from the look on his face that the answer was he hasn't even remembered about it. So as I told him, I said, there's a big difference between when you're inspired by something, it's a good idea, you know, you get all excited about it, you want to take it on, but you're making a commitment. It's something you have to keep always. You can't commit yourself to do something just when you're inspired and then forget about them. It might even be a shadow of the door. It might even be a chiyuf. If a person wants to commit himself to something, he has to know he's holding by it. That he's able to fulfill a commitment. And that's exactly the insight. When a person's inspired and he thinks in this, this frame of mind where he is now, he can do so much. So of course, that's what I can do. That's what I'm going to do. That's not Tachikabari. If he's not going to be able to keep up that commitment, then he thinks I can do it. He thinks that's what I'm holding by. But he doesn't do it. It's only when he's at a certain height of, so to speak, excitement, enthusiasm, that he takes it on. And then as soon as that feeling goes, the commitment goes with it. That's not a real level. A real level is a person that can stick to the level. It's something which a person takes on to do and he'll always do. And that's the Yisad. If the Shem and the Beis Medrash had to check who's holding Vatayichu Kabari, so they don't have to make up for the person what his level is. Let the person say it himself. Let him decide where he's holding. And based on his own decision of where he's holding, that's what's going to define the the is he keeping to that is he keeping to his own level is he keeping to his own expectations that's the first you say it the first explanation of how a person can evaluate what's called Tahikabara if he's internally and externally the same if he's living up to his own standards so to speak because the demon works on the abstract a person likes to see himself as a tzaddik, a masmid, an onav, a balchesed, a balmidus, whatever it's going to be. But when a person wants to back it up with, what are you, what are you doing? What are you claiming? Is the level that the level requires? And then can I test it and see if you're living by that requirement? Then it becomes something which is much harder to fool oneself about. It's possible. People can imagine they're doing things which they're not. If a person wants to give himself an objective, so to speak, test, then that's the way to do it. But there's another level also. There's another explanation also of how a person can test if he's holding by his kabari, if he's holding, so to speak, by what he thinks he is or not. And this is the aside I heard from Meshkech, Peshem Rechatzka Levenstein, 
which I want to explain. Nebuchadnezzar once said in one of his shmuzen, he said that to achieve a madrega requires work. And if a person hasn't put work into it, he's not, then it's not a real madrega. So the story goes that somebody after Shmuz came to him and said he doesn't agree with that Mishkech because he has certain a certain mile, he has a certain madrega. He never had to work, and it was, he had naturally he has the strength. So you see that you can have a mile without having to work on it. And Rav Chaskel told him, if you never worked for it, it means you don't really have it. Now what did he mean? So I want to explain another side over here, and that is it's a mistake which a lot of people make. And the mistake is like this. People confuse the concept of talent and the concept of skill. They're two different things. Sometimes Hashem gives a person a certain talent, a certain strength. He's born with a very good head. He's born with a beautiful voice. He's born with a fantastic eye for art. Or any other attribute or strength or talent that HaKadosh Baruch can give a person. And it's true. Hashem does give talents. Whether it's talking about physical talents, like we spoke about, or it's talking about good middles. Because like we learned, we learned about middles, that everyone has a balance. They have bad middles, but they also have particularly good middles. So yes, everybody has their talents. Those are the koichas, those are the, what, the strengths Hashem gave them to work with. But they're raw talents. Just because a person is blessed with a good voice doesn't mean he's going to be a professional husband. Just because a person has a good head doesn't automatically make him a big Tamil Chacham. To, to transform a talent into a skill needs training and needs lots of work. So yes, a person has a talent for music. But to become a professional musician, he's going to have to learn music and he's going to have to spend hours practicing and perfecting his skill. The same thing. A person has an eye for art, is naturally talented. To become a professional portrait painter you're going to have to be taught how to do it and put a lot of effort into acquiring the skill. Talent is raw. Skill is trained. There's a big difference. And if there's a plan to understand very simply, right, to those, that, that kind of talent, we understand it applies to spiritual talents also. A person that has a quick head isn't a lambda. It's something which he needs to train and learn. And hone his skills. A person has a good memory, isn't the Talmud Chacham? He has a tool, but it takes years of learning and chazering and mastering shas and poskim to become the Talmud Chacham. And that's the biggest thought. People go to, fall into the world of dimyon when they confuse talent and skill. They think I'm good at something, which means therefore I've acquired it. And here's Yiv Chatzel's side. You haven't acquired something. You haven't acquired something if you haven't worked on it. You might have talent, but it's not a skill. And if you're talking in Ruchnius, you might have a certain gift in Hashemayim, but it's not a Madrega. It only comes through work. And now here's the Yisod. How is it shy for a person to know if something he has is a talent or it's a skill? It's something which was a raw talent which Hashem gave him or something which is developed. And the answer is simple. The answer is simple to explain, but the person has to put into practice by themselves. The answer is, do you have a mahalikh? How to do it? Could I teach somebody else how to do the same thing? Because something which I have to work on, 
It's something I had to develop. It's something I had to achieve. Then I had a way to achieve it and how to develop it and how to get there. And I can teach somebody else how to do that too. I can show somebody else the same route I went and they can learn the same path. So if it means becoming a musician, I can teach them how the musical notation, I can teach them the, what to practice and which songs to try and how I developed and I can guide somebody the same route. But if I'm just relying on the fact that, well, I'm musically talented, then what am I going to explain to somebody else? He's not. And if I've become a Tamil Chacham and I want to show somebody else, this is how I did it, and this is what I learned, and this is my Mahala Khalimut, and I can bring somebody else there too, then it's something which is Mahala it's something I worked on and achieved. If it's just, well, I'm naturally bright, so I know everything, then it's more likely to be talent, not skill. And that's not real. A madrege is something which a person works on achieving. And therefore, how do I know that I worked on it? That there's a mahalik how it's done, and somebody else could do it too. And therefore, if, if he's asking the second way to see, if a person is holding by toichek kabare, if a person is holding by what they hold they, are, they really are, can you explain how you got there? What was the mahalik he used? And can you bring somebody else to the same place? Can you teach them to do it? Like the Pasuk says, This is the way to go. A person can show the track he went and guide others along the same track. That means there is a track. That means there was a growth path. But if a person can't do that, then there's nothing real. This even has halachic implications. I remember when they used to ask about various alternative medicines. If it's mutal piyalacha, or it's just magic, a kishof, or it's a, just a illusory, whatever it is, then you always ask the same question, and that is, can you teach somebody how to do it? If you believe that there's something which is not, that is understandable, logical, and you can apply it, you can teach it to somebody else, then maybe there's some kind of mahalach in it. But if you say, no, it's, it's, it's a natural talent, it's a natural skill, it's a certain fifth sense that I have, I can't, it's, 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 you're born with this intuition, then it's nonsense. It's not real. So that's talking about that area, but the same applies over here. If I hold myself to have a certain madrega, or to be in a certain place, is it real or is it imaginary? Can you bring somebody else to the same place? Do you have a mahalach you can teach somebody to get to where you got to? Now, he might not be as good as you, you might have more talent than him, but there's a mahalach you used. Just like if I would be a doctor, I'd teach them, this is the medicine I learned, this is what I practice, this is how I got there. If I'm a Talmud Chacham, I'd say, this is my Mahal Chalim, this is how much I used to be Masbuk every day, this is how I do Chazara, this is how I Masaka my learning. And I can t- train somebody else to do the same thing, then it means I have a way to do it, I have a Kenyan. But if I'm just relying on the fact that I, I just have these natural talents, it's something which just came to me, that's the Mianus. That's the Mianus. That's an imagined Maila. It might be a talent, but it's definitely not a Kenyan. It's definitely not something which I'm holding back. So you see two things, two different disorders. Two different disorders. And that's how the person acquires MS. And he knows that he's really holding. He's holding by where he says he is. The one is, you set yourself your standard. Based on what you think you are, what should you be doing? And that's what we're going to judge you on. And this is Chazal. Chazal say, La'asid la'vi ha'kadosh baruch who will judge every person lefi ma'ashihu. Based on what he said he is. You set yourself the standards. 
And the Tachik Kabara is, how much are you living up to your own standard? That's the first point. And the second point is, is it something real? It means it's something which has a mahalach. And if it's something which has a mahalach, it's something which can be taught to other people to achieve also.